0: All right, good morning, everybody who survived snowpocalypse 2019. A couple inches of snow didn't used to be a big deal, but apparently we shut down the whole state for a little snow nowadays. I wish. I'm going to talk about that in a couple minutes, actually. Um, Wow, that wasn't even a joke, and it was a home run. All right, would you turn in your Bibles to Genesis uh, 22? This won't be up on the screen this morning, because we were supposed to have a guest speaker this morning, but he wasn't able to make it because of the weather, so you guys are stuck with me this morning. So Genesis 22, verses 2, and again, we're talking for the next couple months about learning to hear the voice of God, or learning to hear his voice more clearly. This is Genesis 22, we're going to start in verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took him, two of his servants, and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place God told him about. On a third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by its horns. When he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called this place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. In this portion of scripture, I see what I'm calling a recipe for hearing God's voice a recipe for hearing God's voice. The first thing that I see in this recipe for hearing God's voice is Abraham's obedience. Abraham obeyed God in what has to be one of the most difficult asks in the entire Bible. Abraham had waited for years to see God fulfill his promise and give him a son. And now God asks him to sacrifice his son. When Abraham obeys God, it's an expression of his trust. An expression of him trusting the Lord. Do we trust the Lord? Do you trust the Lord? I think if we were asked that question, most of us probably would answer yes. But do you really trust the Lord? Do you trust him when he asks you to give something that you don't want to give? Do you trust him when he asks you to give something that you feel like you don't have? One of the reasons obedience is so important is because God isn't just after getting you from one place. To the next place God wants to go on a journey with you he wanted to go on a journey with Abraham and he wants to go on a journey with you so like I said something that I wish I could be doing later is snowmobiling but I won't be doing that later because I sold my snowmobile so on days like this I kick myself for doing it but I did Um, how many of you guys remember a couple years ago when we had a really really maybe three years ago I'm guessing We had a really harsh winter, and everybody was getting ice dams. You guys remember this? People were getting all these ice dams. We were out there chopping the ice with axes on our roof, and it was ridiculous. So that winter was horrible for those people who had ice dams, but it was wonderful for the snowmobilers. It was so much fun. I had friends who left from the Walmart parking lot and went all the way to Old Forge. Super awesome, because usually you can't make that trip because we don't have enough snow. So I wasn't able to go on that trip because um, they left over the weekend, and I had church, and so I wasn't able to go. But one weekend, um, a couple of my friends and I decided we were going to try and make it from Warsaw to Lake Erie and then to Pennsylvania on our snowmobiles. So we set out, and we did. We left Warsaw really early in the morning, like 5 o'clock in the morning. It was still dark. We left. We went all the way to Lake Erie, and then we made it all the way down to Pennsylvania. And that was awesome. It was the farthest away from Warsaw on a snowmobile I had ever made it. We had so much fun. It was a really good time. But Lake Erie in and of itself wasn't actually that wonderful. It wasn't like spectacular. It actually looked just like a sheet of white. It just didn't really look like much of anything. We didn't spend hardly any time there at all. We were there for like maybe five minutes. Then we left Lake Erie, filled up on gas, and went to the, headed to, towards Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, how many of you guys have been to Pennsylvania? It's not exactly like the most wonderful place on the planet. It's kind of like the armpit of New York. You know, it's like just a little bit worse than New York in every way. Pennsylvania in and of itself was like not so wonderful. But the journey to get to Lake Erie and the journey to get to Pennsylvania was incredible. I mean, we went through some of the most scenic and beautiful places I had ever seen. We, went th- we drove our snowmobiles through all kinds of tunnels. We went through s- literally snow tunnels, places where the snow banks were so big that you couldn't get to the gas station, so they burrowed tunnels through the snow that we could barely fit through with our snowmobiles. We drove through tunnels that were like culverts that went under streets and under railroads. We drove through all kinds of tunnels. One of my favorite things to do was to drive through canopies like whether it's the summer or the winter I love driving through like canopies that are like covered in covered in trees. Well, down in in this forest that we went through to get to Pennsylvania, it was like probably I would say an hour straight of driving through trails in these pine trees. It was kind of like Letchworth State Park but way bigger. Um so we drove through all these these canopies and sometimes the, can- the the pine trees were way down with snow, and the canopies were so small that we could barely fit through them with our snowmobile. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And as fun as the journey was, the journey was amazing, and we had so much fun on the trip. But it wouldn't have been that much fun if I went on my own. Sometimes I would go ride snowmobiles on my own a little bit, and I might run out for like a couple hours or something like that. But I never would really. I would have never consider taking a trip like that on my own. And without fail, whenever you go snowmobiling, something funny always happens. Like somebody puts a snowmobile in a ditch or something funny always happens. And if you're with your friends, it's funny and you laugh at it. But if you're on your own, it's not that funny. And sometimes it could even be dangerous or scary. And there's also like a little bit of an element of danger because you could be out snowmobiling in the middle of the night. And it could be really cold and there could be nothing around you. So if something happened, you could get into trouble But if you have friends with you, it's like, eh, we'll figure it out. We'll take care of it. God is all about the journey. He's not just about the destination. Like Lake Erie wasn't that special of a destination. Pennsylvania wasn't that special of a destination. But the journey was amazing, and the journey with friends was even more amazing. And that's the type of journey that God wants to go on with you. Abraham wanted to hear God's voice, and his obedience opened the door to hearing his voice more. He didn't just want Abraham to get a job done. He wanted Abraham to go on a journey with him. So the first thing in this recipe for hearing God's voice is obedience. The second thing is faith, Abraham's faith. The problem is sometimes God is not so clear in his directions. These directions that he gives Abraham are kind of vague. They're like missing a lot of details. God says, go to this mountain to a place that I'll show you. Take your son there and sacrifice him. And the Bible says that God told this to Abraham one day, and then the next day he left on this trip. So between the time that he, le- he that God spoke that to him and the time that he left, I'm guessing, I'm not exactly sure, he had like 12 hours. Let's say God spoke it to him in the afternoon. So that means he finishes what he's doing that day, and he's got to head home to see his wife before he has to take Isaac to be sacrificed. Can you imagine what that conversation was like between Abraham and Sarah, his wife, telling her that he was going to sacrifice his son? He might not have told her. And if he was smart, he probably didn't. But if he did, what he might have said, was, he might have said something like, you remember how you were really old and you waited a long time to have this son and finally, after all these years, God gave you this son. And Sarah would say, yeah, Abraham, I remember that. And then she'd say you remember he said he would say you remember how you carried that son in your body for 9 months and then you pushed that son out of your body and Sarah of course would say yes Abraham of course I remember and then you nursed this son and then you raised this son and you took care of this son and now that son is grown and she said yeah Abraham I remember like what's your point and he said well God told me to take him out to the to the mountain into him. and Sarah would say what, what did you say? You said, take him out in the mountain and packer-pice him? What, was, what does packer him mean? No, I said, well, God told me to take him up into the mountain and to packer-pice him. What exactly do you mean by packer Because it kind of sounds like sacrifice. Are you saying you're going to sacrifice our son? This is kind of a difficult sell for Abraham to sell his wife. I went through something similar with my wife in the spring. I didn't tell her I was going to sacrifice my firstborn, but I I had, to, I had to tell her that I thought I was going to buy a motorcycle. Now, you know, some could even say that I had the opportunity to, to convince her that I needed a, mo- a motorcycle. I like to say that God provided the opportunity for me to convince her that I needed a motorcycle. And I'm not going to tell you husbands how I did that. I'll save that for like a men's breakfast or something like that. But... I explained to her why I thought I needed a motorcycle and why I should have a a motorcycle and why God wanted me to have a motorcycle. And she told me why God did not want me to have a motorcycle. And mostly it was that she didn't want me to be a pancake on the road. It was not exactly an easy sell, but it was nowhere as difficult as Abraham, as the sell that Abraham had to explain to his wife that he was going to sacrifice his son. Our problem is that we want facts. We want details. And God is asking for our faith. And God is using this test that he's putting Abraham through to tune his voice, to tune his ear, to tune Abraham's ear to hear his voice. If you'll let God, he will take the current situation that you're walking through, the current desert that you're in, the current challenge that you find yourself in, And he will use that to tune your ear to hear his voice more more clearly. And the problem is we say to God, but God, the situation looks like a mess. How am I ever going to get out of this situation? How am I ever going to pay this bill? God, do you understand the kind of pain I'm going through in my marriage right now? Do you understand the pain that I'm going through in this relationship? And God says, if you'll just walk with me, One step at a time, if you'll go on this journey with me, I will cause your faith to grow, and I will tune your ear to hear my voice. God may not be big on details. He may not be big on facts. But he's committed to finishing the work that he started in your life. How many of you have ever tried to lead something? You've been a leader of some situation, some group of people or whatever? Can you sympathize this morning for Abraham? Abraham sets out on this journey. He's trying to be a man of faith. He's trying to be, obey God. And he's trying to lead his son and these donkeys and these servants through the desert. And one of the worst things that can happen when you're trying to lead, lead a group of people is they start asking questions. And not only do they start asking questions, but they start asking questions that you don't know the answer to. They start asking, Abraham, where are we going? Well, I don't exactly know. I'll know when I get there. Where is the lamb? I don't exactly know. Where's the sacrifice? I don't exactly know. Can you sympathize this morning for Abraham? And when he's leading and he's starting to feel the pressure, and the pressure is starting to mount up, and all the while, Abraham is trying to hear God's voice. When you're a leader, you're supposed to have a plan. You're supposed to have a strategy, but all Abraham is doing is trying to obey God. Sometimes when we try and follow God, his voice is kind of like a GPS. You guys have all followed a GPS before, right? I got a new truck a couple years ago and it has a GPS like right in the dashboard. When I first got it, it, you can like set the GPS to have different voices. When I first got it, the stock voice. Sounded like a girl from New Jersey, and I didn't really like it. She was like, sounded like she was bossing me around. She thought she knew better than me. She thought she knew where to go, and I didn't. I didn't like it, so I changed the voice, and I I found a British girl. I liked the British girl. She didn't sound so bossy, and it was more palatable. So now I have a British girl in my GPS who tells me where to go. Oftentimes, when we use the GPS, we're like going in some place that's unfamiliar. We're in like uncertain, unfamiliar territory. And sometimes that can be a little unsettling. It can make you feel a little insecure when you're driving someplace and you don't exactly know where where you're going. So sometimes when I'm following my GPS, I can see that there's a turn up ahead, but I'm not exactly sure how far away that turn is. So I'll be driving and I'll kind of slow down at each street like, okay, is this the turn? And my British girl doesn't say anything, so I keep going. So I keep going, I can still see there's a left-hand turn coming up ahead, and so I drive a little further, waiting to hear, is she going to tell me to turn here? Nope, this isn't the one. I keep going. Nope, this one isn't the one either. And when that happens, oftentimes that makes me feel unsettled, like I'm not sure where I'm going. I wish sometimes the GPS would just say something, maybe give me a little encouragement, like, you're going the right way, you're just not there yet, or just keep on trucking down the road, or put the pedal to the metal, or we got a ways to go still. Like Sometimes I'm driving and I'm like, I wish this British girl would just say something, but she doesn't say anything because it's not time to turn yet. How do you deal with the silence? How do you deal with the silence when you're following God, trying to be obedient, but sometimes he doesn't speak to the insecurities that we feel. When God does speak to the insecurities that we feel, and he reassures us it's wonderful, but sometimes when we're following God, it feels like he's silent. How do you deal with the silence? God doesn't always speak just to make us feel good, but he will speak at key times in our life, key intersections where we need to make a turn to make sure that we get where we need to go. This place that Abraham is at, out in the desert, the truth is it's kind of like the YMCA. We go to the YMCA to work out, to stretch our muscles, to make them grow, to get stronger. That's what Abraham is doing in the desert. He's not working out his physical muscles, but he's working out his spiritual muscles. His faith is growing. His ear is being tuned to hear God's voice. Sometimes when we get out in the desert, it feels unstable. It feels unsteady. You feel alone. But God allows this turmoil in our life. He allowed this turmoil in Abraham's life in order to tune his ear to hear his voice. He removed all of Abraham's friends. He removed his backup plan. He removed his support system. And Abraham is out in this desert learning to hear God's voice under pressure. Oftentimes, God uses situations in our life that feel like pressure to train us to hear his voice. The next thing that I saw in this portion of scripture, in the recipe to hear God's voice, is Abraham had to let go. The Bible says that Abraham had been traveling for three days when he looked up and he said, this is the place that God wants me to go. Somehow he knew that that was the place that God wanted him to go. And what he said to his servants is he said, You and the donkeys stay here while the lad and I go to worship. You and the donkeys stay here while the lad and I go to worship. If you want to get where God wants you to go, and in this case, God was teaching Abraham to hear his voice. You want to learn to hear God's voice or get where God wants you to go, you're going to have to let go of some stuff you're going to have to leave some stuff behind. In Abraham's case, it was the servants and the donkey. I wonder what things are in our life that are hindering us from hearing God's voice, hindering us from getting where God wants us to go. What's in your life that's hindering you, stopping you from hearing his voice or getting where you need to go? Who have you been surrounding yourself with have you been surrounding yourself with people that will encourage you in your faith or surrounding you with people who tear, tear down your faith in your relationship with the Lord? What kind of things have you been consuming? Have you been consuming, watching, listening to things that will encourage you to believe the promise of God? Or have you been consuming and listening and watching things that has slowly eroded your faith? So we started with Abraham and the servants and the donkeys. And now we're down to just two, Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac says, Dad, I, I couldn't help but notice that knife hanging off of your belt. And I, I see we have wood for a fire. Isaac has seen the sacrifice before. He knows what's going to happen. He says, did, Dad, did you forget something? Like, where's the lamb? And this is what Abraham says. He says God himself will provide the lamb son. This is Abraham doubling down on what God has spoken to him. Abraham is out in the desert and it looks hopeless. And Abraham is putting all of his hope, all of his faith in God. It's like Abraham climbed a tree and stood on a branch and he was holding onto the trunk of the tree standing on the branch where it was very strong and thick. And then he went out into the desert and he took a step out on the branch. And now he left behind his servants and his donkey and he took another step out on the branch. Now the branch is starting to bend. The branch is starting to get skinny. Abraham knows the branch is going to break. And when he says God himself will provide the lamb, he knows the branch is about to break. And he's saying, I believe that God is going to catch me. I believe that God is going to catch me. Your life will always be limited. You will always have a lid on your life until you're willing to, in obedience, step out on a limb with God. I'm not talking about doing something stupid for the sake of being stupid, but each one of you will never reach your potential. You will never accomplish what God has called you to do, called you to do unless you're willing to take a risk and get out on the skinny part of the branch and say, even if it breaks, I believe that God is going to catch me. The next thing I see in this recipe is Abraham had a soft heart. You've got to understand that Abraham is walking into an ugly situation. With these offerings, what normally would happen with this burnt offering is they would take a lamb, they would tie up its legs, because the lamb on its own would want to run away. So they would tie up its legs, and then they would take it to the altar. Then they would put the wood on the altar to build a fire. Then they would take the lamb, they would put it on the altar, and then they would tie the lamb to the altar so that it couldn't get away. Then they would take a knife, and they would kill the lamb, and the lamb's blood would be poured out. And then they would light the wood on fire, and they would burn the flesh. This is the situation that Abraham is walking into with his son. Abraham, if you guys will remember, earlier in Abraham's life, he was told that he was going to be made the father of many nations. And God fulfilled that promise when he gave him Isaac. Isaac was the vehicle that God was going to use to make him a father of many nations. So when Abraham is bringing Isaac to the altar, it's like he's bringing his dream and his future to the altar, and he's about to kill it. He's about to kill his dream, and he's about to kill. His future. Sometimes what happens when we get out into the desert, into this place that Abraham was, when we get out into the desert of our own life, we can become spiritually deaf. In this place, this desert, remember I said earlier, what God intended the desert to be was a place where Abraham's ear was tuned to hear his voice. That's what God intended it to be. So when we go through a trial, God is intending to tune our ear to hear his voice more clearly. But sometimes what happens is we get out into the desert and we become spiritually deaf. What the Bible calls it is a hardened heart. And in this case, in Abraham's life, you could almost understand it. Like it's almost justifiable. Abraham's out in the desert and what God asks of him seems like it's too much. How many of have ever felt like what God is doing in your life, it feels like it's too much? Like this is just... Too much to ask. It's too challenging of a situation. It's too difficult. That's where Abraham was. God asked him to sacrifice his dream and his future and his beloved son. So you could understand if David, or sorry, Abraham were to get a hardened heart. It's almost justifiable because God asked for too much. And if you're in that place where you get a hardened heart, what happens is you end up killing your future. And your dream. Abraham had heard from God four days ago. God told him to go out to the desert to sacrifice his son. But if Abraham doesn't hear what God is saying right now, then he will end up murdering his son. What does God say in verse 11? Does anybody still have their Bible open? What does God say in verse 11 to Abraham? Somebody tell me. He said, Abraham, Abraham. Now, if I'm talking to one of my kids, if I'm talking to Jocelyn and I say, Jocelyn, and then she looks at me, I start talking to her, right? But if she doesn't look at me, she doesn't pay attention, maybe she doesn't hear me, maybe she's busy, maybe she literally couldn't hear what I was saying, what am I going to do? I'm going to say it again. So if I say, Jocelyn, and she doesn't respond, I might say, Jocelyn. I might try and get her attention. I'm going to yell. What happened, what I believe happened here, is God was speaking to Abraham. And the first time he said his name, he didn't hear it. Abraham didn't hear him the first time. I believe Abraham's heart had started to be hardened. And you could understand why. Abraham was devastated. Abraham is crushed. He's about to sacrifice his dream and his future, the promise of God for his life. He's about to watch his dream die. Abraham might have been weeping when this happened. If you hear what God spoke to you four days ago, that's good. But if you miss what God is going to speak, trying to speak to you right now, you're going to end up killing your dream and your future. We have to be able to hear what God is say, saying now. Abraham was devastated. He was crushed because he was about to watch his dream die. But God, in his mercy, calls Abraham. And when Abraham doesn't hear him, God, in his mercy, raises his voice and calls Abraham again. Some of you this morning need to hear God call you a second time. Maybe God called you the first time and you didn't hear it. Maybe you've been in a season in your life where you feel like you've been in a desert, going through a trial or a challenge. You feel like you tried to obey God, and now you are out here in this desert, in this challenge it feels like you're about to watch your dream die it feels like you're watching your dream die and god called your name and maybe you even missed it the first time because maybe your heart started to get hard because you're devastated or crushed because you feel like your dream is dying but god in his mercy this morning is calling you a second time would you bow your heads this morning lord we thank you so much that you love us. You love us enough that you want to go on a journey with us. If we'll obey you and follow you, you, we can go on a journey with you where we can learn to hear your voice. Lord, some some people who are here this morning, they felt like they did that. They felt like they stepped out and obeyed you, and now they find themselves in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a challenge, and they're scared that they're about to watch their dream die. Maybe they've been devastated. Maybe they've been discouraged. And they're not hearing you as clearly right now. Lord, I ask, would you call their name a second time? In your mercy, would you call our name a second time? And would you cause our hearts to become soft again so that we could hear you? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to thank everybody for coming out in the midst of the storm and the challenge and uh, have a safe drive home. Be blessed.